Amen. Please remain standing and take your Bible together with me and turn to Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, tonight we'll focus on uh, verse 1 to 8. I will read it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come, and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant. This I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Tonight we give thanks to you, our God, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom you continue to gather the elect. And as we now hear more of that work, more of your love to the outcast, to foreigners, we ask you to teach our hearts and our minds about your heart, your large heart, not only to those who are already gathered in, those who are already in your church, but those who are outside. Speak to us as your people so that we would understand the nature of your heart and the nature of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. You may be seated. In Isaiah 56, the prophet, as God's spokesperson, he started his message by calling the people, the people of God, to keep justice and do righteousness. In verse 1, you have noticed it. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. You and I, we live in the reality of the world that is filled with injustice and violence. What Isaiah is saying here should remind us the reality of where we live today. We all live in this world that is full of injustice. We face that personally and as people. We see police officers being assaulted. assaulted. We witness the act of violence, even the act of violence that we have witnessed only this month, the shootings in school, at the bank, and how many people have been killed. We witness the killing of thousands of unborn children in the womb of their mothers every day. We hear what is taking place in Sudan and Ethiopia. Innocent people being killed with no mercy. When you see all these things and hear about all these things, maybe sometimes you ask, where is God in all these things? What is God doing? And the prophet Isaiah this evening from Isaiah 56 is telling us, well, God is in the business of gathering the elect. He's in the business of gathering the foreigners and the outcasts, bringing them in into his kingdom. Notice verse 8. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those who already gathered. This is what our God is doing in everything that we witness today. Despite how evil and wicked the things around us are, but God is gathering the elect. You see, God has two groups of people in his mind, beloved. According to Isaiah 56, first, he has his own people in, in his mind. He has uh, you and I, those who are already included in his kingdom, those who are already saved. Go back to Isaiah 53, and you see the suffering Messiah producing fruits of righteousness. 
by his suffering, by his death on the cross, through the power of his resurrection, Isaiah in Isaiah 53 tells us that he bare fruit to righteousness. He, he gave righteousness as a gift to sinners. So God has two people, two groups of people in his mind. His own people, the, the righteous, those who are, who are already delivered, but also those who are outcast. Those who say in verse 2, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Those who think that they don't fit in God's kingdom. Those who think that they don't belong to the new Israel. They are also, they also belong to the kingdom. So, as the Lord fulfills the ongoing work of redemption in this world, He speaks to both of these people. Notice carefully. In verse 1 and 2, he speaks to those who are already gathered. And to them, he says, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come. And then in verse 3 to 8, he addresses the outcasts, the foreigners. And they are described as foreigners and the eunuchs. The Lord speaks to both of them. Our God still speaks to those who must hear the message of salvation. So first, the Lord speaks to his people. Notice verse 1 and 2. Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come, and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the Son of Man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath not profaning it and keeps his hand from, do it, from doing any evil. So first, what we see here is the righteous, those who are gathered in. God is telling his people, I delivered you, I saved you. Now, now you have a duty to fulfill, you have a duty to do. For the glory of my name, for the expansion of my kingdom, I delivered you, I saved you. Now I want you to obey me. Now uh, I want you to do what? To keep justice and do righteousness. You remember God, after delivering his people from the bondage in Egypt, he gave them what? The moral law. He gave them the Ten Commandments. For what purpose? To serve God, to obey God, but also to become a light to other nations by obeying their God, by glorifying their God, to, to show uh, all other people who the God of Israel is, who the God of the Bible is. So God delivers but after he delivers, he also gives us a duty to fulfill. To become a testimony 
to those who are outside of the church of Jesus Christ, outside of the kingdom of God. Jesus in John 14, 15 said, If you love me, you will, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see, I saved you. We are in this love relationship. Now I want you to love my commandments. And I want you to let other people to see you loving me, loving my commandments. And they will be drawn to my kingdom. You have a duty. This is for the righteous. This is for those who are already gathered. Like what Isaiah says in verse 8. So the first one is justice. Keep justice and do righteousness. Justice in two senses. It can be done by punishing evil according to the law. You go to Romans 13 and you realize that it was God who ordained civil government. It was God who places judges and courts here on earth for order and peace. How do we keep justice as God's people? By punishing evil according to God's law. According to God's moral law. In Romans 13, 3, Paul said, For rulers are not uh, a terror to good conduct, but to bad. They are God's servants for your good. That's one way that justice is done. Justice is established. Also, we keep justice as God's people, and this is very important for us as believers, as the body of Jesus Christ. We, um, we do justice by restoring someone who has been oppressed or wronged. We do have refugees among us. We always desire to find them, to welcome them, bring them to church, not only to worship with us, but also to restore them, to show them the love of Christ. Very practical. You see, God is telling his people, I delivered you, but I delivered you for for a purpose. I delivered you so that you would serve me and my people, those, uh, those people whom I want to bring to my kingdom. In Jeremiah 22, verse 1 to um, 3, this is what uh, the prophet uh, says to the people of God. In Jeremiah 22, Jeremiah talks about what Isaiah is saying here in chapter 22, 1 to 3. Thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David. You and your servants, the people, and your people who enter these gates, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed 
and do, and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor the shed in nor shed uh, innocent blood in this place. That was a requirement from God's people. Still a requirement to you and I as 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 righteous as. Uh, people who have been delivered by God through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ. Isn't that very interesting? When Jesus converted um, Zacchaeus, he met Zacchaeus and um, he um, exposed him to his sin. And uh, one of the things that Zacchaeus said to Jesus was, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, listen to this, Behold, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. It was when Zacchaeus said that, Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today because this man is the son of Abraham. I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting Zacchaeus was saved by his good work. But what I'm saying is, Zacchaeus demonstrated that he understood the gospel. Zacchaeus Uh, repentance was true. It was genuine. It was from the heart. He believed it. He repented. And he did what? He kept justice and he did righteousness. If I defrauded anyone, I will bring it back. I will give them back. I will restore them to what belongs to them. I will do what is righteous in your sight. And Jesus said, I came to people like this man. This man is the son of Abraham. And I came to save the children of Abraham. Who are the children of Abraham? Those who are of faith. You and I are the children of Abraham. We're not Jews, we're not Israelites. Salvation is not through ethnicity. Salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But what Zacchaeus did was, what Isaiah exhorted God's people, the righteous, to do. Keep justice and do righteousness. We all are called to do righteousness. Our action should be morally correct. That we do nothing out of sin, out of sinful motive. Even giving our money to the work of God's kingdom, beloved, it should be done in a righteous way. We should never give our gifts, our money to the work, to the work of God's kingdom as if God depends on us. As if his kingdom relies on us. Long time ago I met a man who belonged to one church as a member. 
I was invited to preach in that church. And I was talking to the man. He made this statement to me. This church is lucky to have me. Because I give most of my money to the work of this church. This church is lucky to have me. That's not the attitude. That's not righteousness. But do it for the glory of God. And the second requirement to notice. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast. Now the second requirement comes, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. So one is justice, doing justice, keeping justice and righteousness. The second one is worship. Isaiah relates this to what? To Sabbath keeping. The fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 The fourth commandment is what? For us to sanctify the Sabbath holy, to set it apart for the purpose of worship. You remember Jesus in Mark 2.27, he said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What is he talking about? What is Jesus saying? Well, the Sabbath was made for man means for the benefit of your soul, for the good of your soul. It's not about a day. It is about God's glory. It's about what is beneficial to your soul. You set it apart means you set it apart for worship, for the things of the Lord. The the commandment says don't do anything on that day. Six days you do your labor, but on the seventh day, on the first day of the week now in the New Testament church, you rest from all, uh, from all your labors and rest in Jesus Christ. You pray, you sing, you worship, you visit the elderly and the sick and those who are grieving. Your wife, your life revolves around what? Around worship. Notice what Isaiah is saying here. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it. Not using it for other purposes, but for worship. For worship. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter talks, addresses the believers, and, and he said, What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Look into your own life. As those who are righteous, as those who have been gathered in God's kingdom, are you godly? Are you holy? Are you keeping the Sabbath as a day of worship, as a day of communion with God? The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 58 calls the Sabbath a delight, not a burden, but a delight. A day that brings joy to my life. A day that brings joy to my life because I am in the presence of God. I am in the presence of my 
beloved brothers and sisters, the saints, it is a day of delight. For many, sadly, it is a burden. It is a day of sadness and struggle and dispute. But it was part of God's creation. You all know that. In our men's fellowship on Friday, we were talking about this. It was part of God's work of creation, like marriage, like labor. Marriage is supposed to last till death. Man is commanded to work until the return of Christ. The Bible says, if anyone is not willing to work, do not let him eat. Is it marriage? Labor. And then comes Sunday. Let's come in the Sabbath. They, they, the three of them are perpetual by, by, by their nature. They are not to be interrupted. They are not to be broken. There are people who say, no, the first commandment is gone. Jesus has fulfilled it. No, Jesus fulfilled it in order you and I to enter into rest and find our most satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Not in doing some other things, but in singing, praying, worshiping, encouraging one another in the name of Christ. So the requirements here for God's people are two. To keep justice and do righteousness and keep worshiping God without any interruption. And then secondly, you see, God speaks to the outcast, the foreigner. Verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. You see, in the case of the Israelites, what happened was uh, when, when, when they were in Egypt, and then some of the Egyptians, they want to follow the God of Israel. They want to worship the way the Israelites were worshiping God. But in their heart, they say, but do I really belong to these people? Am I going to fit to the temple? And God is saying, no, don't say that. As far as you believe in the work of the Messiah, as far as you are trusting in the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the only requirement is faith. If you have faith in God, you fit into my kingdom. You are welcome. You are received. God is not only the God of the Israelites, but, but God is also the God of foreigners. Outcasts. Beloved, every time we see new arrivals, newcomers to our church, and we see them worshiping with us. I, I want to encourage all of you to remember this. That's what God is doing. He is gathering his elect. And he's bringing them in. He's bringing them in. There was a time in our life that we needed a savior. There was a, a time in our life that we needed, we needed forgiveness. 
And now we have it, praise be to God. And they need that forgiveness. They need that inclusion in God's kingdom. You see, they were saying, I really love this God, the God of Israel, but I don't think we fit in. And listen to God. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord by faith say that the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And then the second group of people that Isaiah mentions here is the, the eunuch. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree, for thus says the Lord, for eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant. Most of you, you know, in um, Levitical um, system, the eunuchs were forbidden from coming to the temple. Uh, you, you see that in, uh, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, no one whose um, testicles no, uh, are crushed or his male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of God. And the reason was God wanted to teach his people the difference between what is clean and unclean, what is the difference between what is perfect and imperfect. So it was a temporal arrangement to teach his people to love what is clean, what is holy. But it was not a moral imperfection. But when Jesus came, he fulfilled the Levitical law. He fulfilled it. And everyone who believed in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was welcomed to the kingdom of God. Cleansing is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not through ceremonial law, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. And one helpful example for us would be the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember in Acts 8, Philip met the Ethiopian eunuch, shared the gospel with him from Isaiah 53, the suffering Messiah. And the Ethiopian eunuch said to Philip, if that's the case, what hinders me, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, nothing. Faith in Jesus Christ is sufficient. It is enough. He baptized him. And this eunuch went back to Ethiopia rejoicing. And he bare fruit to many other believers in that part of the world. Churches were established. People came to faith through his testimony. Now listen to what God say, said here. Let not... Uh, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. No, you are not a dry tree, God is saying. You will 
You will be brought into my kingdom and you will bear fruit. You will participate in the victory of the Messiah, in the power of his resurrection. And you will become a witness to other people who are outcasts. And you will bear fruit. You will have children. Even though you will not have physical children, but you will have many, many, many spiritual children. You will bear fruits. I always remind young people in Christ church, young people, I, I, want to, I want you to look around and I want you to look at your fathers and mothers in Christ. Your older brothers and sisters in Christ around you. That's what God is talking about here. That's why you were exhorted as a congregation this morning to assist and help Jesse to grow in the knowledge of Christ. In a sense, you become his fathers and mothers, older brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus to assist him to grow in godliness, in the grace of God. Remember Jesus in, in John 10, 16, he says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. That's what Isaiah 56 is revealing to us tonight. Two kinds of people, the righteous, those who are already gathered in. What is our duty? Worship. What is our duty? To do righteousness and justice. And why is that? What is the reason? What is the reason? What is the, the inference here? Verse 1. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. Now listen to the reason. For soon my salvation will come. See what God is saying to his people, the righteous let the, outcast, let the outcast see who you are in Christ Jesus. Let them see you keeping justice, doing righteousness, welcoming them, restoring them, helping them. And then they will say, yes, I belong to these people. Yes, I want to be here with them. I want to worship God with them. These are loving people. These people resembles their Savior, Jesus Christ. But if we don't do these things, you see, the outcast will stay outside. And they will say, I don't think these people want us here. I don't think we are going to fit among these people. God is saying, I am in the business of gathering the elect. I'm in the business of bringing the foreigners and the, the eunuchs. And you would do better if you would understand this and open your two arms and welcome them. Welcome them. Love them. Restore them. When, we, when you do that as as my people, as my church, then you will participate 
in the work of my kingdom. Let me finish with this. Two amazing gifts here. God said, I'll bring them like you, and I will give them two things as a gift. I will give them my name. Everlasting name. They will be called by my name. As you are called by, by my name, they will also be called by my name. So I will give them this name, the everlasting name. And then I will give them a new place, the church, where they will come and worship me together with my people. You see how God gathers his people. He give them a place. Give them a place. I, I'm not remembering who exactly uh, now, but I, I remember one of our refugees who was welcomed here, you know, assisted um, in the faith. Uh, I remember uh, this refugee telling me, um, I have found a place. He was making a reference to the church, to this fellowship. I found a place. I found a home. Who gave him that home? God. God gave him home. God gave him a place of comfort, encouragement, and solace. So God gives us his name. And then he gives us his people, his church, as a gift. And you and I, we need to function in that way. We need to understand Isaiah 56. We need to understand what God is doing. Even, even if our season, our time is bad. Bad news everywhere. Our God is in the business of gathering the outcast. Praise be to his name. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, as you gather the elect, as you gather the outcasts, the foreigners among us, help us to participate in that work, having the, the heart and the love of Christ toward those who are outcasts, toward those who feel that they are foreigners. Help us to welcome them, to embrace them, to restore them, to assist them. And use us to expand your kingdom through the preaching of the word of God and the means of grace in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.